where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Coming up on 7 o'clock, Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. That is Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker. We're here with you until 10 o'clock, and then Danny Mac will take over. Scoops with Danny Mac. If you weren't with us yesterday, we do have a new show here on 101 ESPN, and we are thrilled to talk sports with you today on Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo, Randy. Where's our our chips and guacamole and breakfast margaritas? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Danny Mac yesterday in our crossover before Scoops with Danny Mac tell you that it's your responsibility to feed he the did. staff on days like this? Yes, he did. He did. I should have brought in chips. That would have been very fun <laughs> at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, Cinco de Mayo, which is also the birthday of the late, great Chris Duncan. Today would have been his 39th birthday and today throughout the day here on 101 ESPN we're going to celebrate Dunk's memory. You know it it doesn't lessen any, it any much how much we miss him but I love days like this when we can celebrate Chris Duncan and what he meant to us and what he meant to so many people and just his big big personality. He was such a special guy and just was such a had a great cocktail of working <laughs> so incredibly hard but being the most fun guy in the room. Absolutely and We'll have a lot of stories throughout the day. I know Dan will have his stories from 10 to 11. Obviously, Anthony Stalter and Dunk were very, very close, having worked together for the last several years of Dunk's radio career. So we'll hear from Anthony and Brad Thompson this afternoon. Has great minor league stories from Chris Duncan. And we're going to hear from, among others, the Cardinal closer from Dunk's years with the Cardinals, Jason Isringhausen, the World Series MVP from 2006, David Eckstein, and Dunk's manager, and really kind of a, a surrogate father, Tony Larusa, because Dunk literally grew up in the Oakland A's clubhouse back in the the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, talk about having your own father and Dave Duncan, who we know is a, a legendary pitching coach and just a brilliant guy. And then your surrogate father is Tony Larusa. So th- now you know why Dunk has such a wealth of knowledge and had the, the fiery personality that he did at times. We can start with this. We had the chance to spend a lot of time together at the Super Bowl in Indianapolis in 2012. This mm-hmm. was January of 2012, and DeMarco was with us, and DeMarco had a Super Bowl ring, and we figured, okay, well, we'll just follow DeMarco. He could go anywhere. Dunk had his World Series ring, and we would try to get to parties, and for whatever reason, DeMarco would either be held up at the door or he would be allowed in himself, but he wasn't able to bring in a posse, which we were part of, a yeah, posse. of course. <laughs> Chris Duncan would go and... BS a little bit, flash his World Series ring, and get everybody into these parties. He was the Pied Piper. It was unbelievable. He could get anybody at any security 
person to do anything for him. You know, he earned that World Series ring, but that charisma that he had was mm-hmm. all him. That was God-given. And you're right. He comes up to the door. Imagine you're working the door at a party, and Chris Duncan, who you can tell is a professional athlete, he's got the hardware to prove that he's a champion, and he's just going to chat you up and make you laugh. You're going to say, this is all right. Come on in. We yeah. know that you're legit. And okay, you can bring those those people with you. Okay, yeah. sure. But I would let him in, absolutely. Yeah, so we would be standing with DeMarco at one door. Duncan race around the corner and say, hey, come with me. And we go around the corner and there'd be a door. Okay, these are my friends. Get them in. It was awesome. He was the best. Duncan was the man. Hey, good news, we hope, yesterday from St. Louis City and County. They hope to release details this week about a gradual reopening of local economies, which is a really good, important thing, because at some point we do have to gradually reopen our economies. And as you said, Michelle, this is at least, at the very least, a glimmer of hope, right? It really is. And I know that Every day, the landscape of this and when it could potentially, I say air quotes, end, because we know this could be something that we deal with in our lives for a while, um, changes. We we think, oh, okay, it's X amount of cases. The curve looks like this today. Well, it, it inevitably looks different the next day. But I think uh, our St. Louis County officials have been taking this very seriously, and they have while the economy is very important, they have everyone's health first and foremost in their mind, and they're not going to make uh, a jump decision because they feel pressured. So if they're saying, hey, we see down the road a date where we could potentially do this, you know that it's based on facts. You know that it's something that they've taken very seriously and will continue to take very seriously. And for me, where I sit, I'm saying, okay, the fact that you're even discussing it, even if in mid-May you decide to extend it a little bit, the fact that we know it's coming is a glimmer of hope for me. And last week, Missouri Governor Parson announced that a gradual reopening of the state of Missouri's economy would start yesterday. So where you live, there might be uh, an opening of the economy and some things that weren't open last week are open now. But Lyda Krusen said yesterday, the mayor of St. Louis, that St. Louis and the state are kind of in different lanes here. Well, the city of St. Louis in our region here has two thirds of the cases in the state of Missouri. There are other counties in Missouri who only have a few cases. And so what we have here is a situation where one size does not fit all. And in our city, we are leaving the stay at home order in place for another week or two weeks. We haven't determined the exact date, but we think somewhere around mid-May. We're gonna continue to look at the data and have that inform us. We know everyone wants to get back to work, but we are very concerned that we continue to see a decrease in the number of hospitalizations before we are able to go back to work. So that's the mayor of St. Louis, Lyda Krusen. County Executive Sam Page tweeting yesterday that he talked with Mayor Krusen and, quote, we both have agreed that we have targeted mid-May to consider, consider relaxing public health orders. I'll take it. Won't you? I will. And we're going to talk about this later, but it's important to note that former Major Leaguer Trevor Plouffe tweeted yesterday that he had heard that Major League Baseball was going to start again, that spring training two was going to start on June 10th. And the people that I have talked to, Michelle, around Major League Baseball echo that sentiment that what Trevor Plouffe said is legit and that we very easily could see Major League Baseball start in late June or early July, which would be great. It'd be in the home ballparks. It'd be the setup with the 10 division, uh, the three 10-team divisions. But 
we would at least have baseball. No fans in the stands, but we would have baseball. As we spoke about yesterday, Randy, I'm at the stage of this where I know it's not going to look the way that we are used to having it look. I know it's not going to be the same experience with fans in the stands, the home field or home park advantage that you get. I know that the you know the sonics of it are going to be different without fans in the stands. I understand that the experience of going to Bush Stadium might be taken away from us for a little bit. I just want to turn on my TV and watch Cardinals baseball. So if if you're telling me and these reports are true that we could potentially get it in less than a month or close to a month from now, I'm counting down the days. I'm making a calendar and I'm counting down the days. That's how much I think a lot of us are craving sports. I need a mile post for my day. And the fact that I've come in here to the station every day has been huge for me because I don't think that I... I don't think I could do it from home, and I admire Ranj and BT being able to do it from home, but I I need that structure of being able to move around and be at a certain place, and one of those certain places is down in my recliner in the basement at 7 o'clock at night. Whether it's a Blues game or a Cardinals game, I need that level of structure because I'm my life would be a blob if I don't, <laughs> if I don't have that, that kind of structure, and it kind of has been except for work. Yeah, it's one of those things where you wake up, you don't know what day of the week it is. You don't know how long you've been in self-quarantine. It just gets lost in a blur. But I know on Sundays that I'm turning on my TV at 8 p.m. to watch The Last Dance, and I know that in the blink of an eye, those two hours are over, and I wish it hadn't ended. And I know that when sports returns, it's going to provide that same sense of to, to use your word, structure for people's day and something to take them away from the very serious real-life consequences that we've been dealing with. And I have to believe, Michelle, that if Major League Baseball is on this path, and I would expect that we'll have an announcement probably within the next week or so, that if Major League Baseball is on this path, that the other sports have to be thinking along the same lines, don't they? It's going to be a domino-type situation. That's what I assume, that Whatever league decides to come out and publicly state emphatically, this is what we've decided and we're not changing our minds. Everyone is on board. The players union has agreed. We have testing. The owners have agreed and we're just going to go ahead and do it. I think the other leagues will then say, hey, these are our plans. We're ready to go. I think it's just going to take that first league to get ready to go. And honestly, we know that they've been having a lot of these conversations. You know that they've been including the television networks in on these conversations because this isn't something that you can just pick up and do. You're going to have to plan and uh, look at all the logistics and things to get this done because if you're going to minimize travel, minimize the amount of people that you're going to have there, it's going to have to be something that you plan out. We are a society that provides great ratings for a, a an NFL draft that took place in people's homes. <laughs> yes. So if I'm FS Midwest, if I'm Big Fox, if I'm ESPN, I'm finding a way to televise all of spring training, not just, and there won't be any games, but... Every workout, I'm, I'm going to televise. And same with basketball, same with hockey. I'm going to make sure that I can take the fans inside to training camp or spring training because they're so hungry for sports. I, I would watch it. I know you would watch it. Absolutely. And the TV people need programming. So why not? And at advertising money, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things, a lot of... Uh, factors that go into play there. But yeah, of course, I would I would watch guys running bases. I would watch anything right now to know that what I'm watching is a step closer to actual games. And if you're FS Midwest, you mic up Mike Schilt, you mic up Mike Maddox, uh, perhaps you, you get the hitting coach, take provide a hit, the hitting coach a mic to a couple of players, and you can put it on delay, and if they curse, 
bleep it out. But I think that would be great. And I think that would take fans somewhere that they've never really been before, unless you've been down in Florida and been on the backfields. That's something that you don't get an opportunity to see all the time. So giving the fans the opportunity to be educated about what happens during a workout would be advantageous for everybody. Absolutely. And especially for baseball, a lot of players and managers are used to having the headset on in the dugout for Mm -hmm. a national broadcast. That's not foreign to them as it would be for some other you know, leagues or or players. But I think more than ever, players are going to really have to understand that, yes, this is your job. Yes, this is a game. But this is a form of entertainment as well. Because I know a lot of players don't necessarily love the media Mm -hmm. aspect of their jobs. I know a lot of them, you know, would prefer to not have it be so saturated. But this is something that... America and the sports fan needs. They need you to throw the headset on during spring training and explain what you've been doing and answer the questions from the booth. And I think the more you can get players on board with that, that they understand that they need to be open and entertaining, that it's going to really benefit the leagues, the networks, and the fans. So I think we can look for a Major League Baseball announcement probably 10 days or so. And Trevor Plouffe laid it out yesterday. It'll be about June 10th to start spring training. It'll be three weeks of spring training, and then the season would start late June. June, the 1st of July, and we can have 4th of July baseball in America. And I'll wear my red, white, and blue shirt and be really happy and barbecue. Fire up the grill, Randy. Are we going to have time for a best of by the 4th of July? Are we going to do enough good programming by then? <laughs> sure so I'm already looking forward to my days. Oh, we got Memorial Day coming up. Oh, yeah. In a month. So we better do some pretty good programming soon. Well, we've got three great guests on the show yeah. today. So there you go. <laughs> we've got almost an hour filled. <laughs> We're rocking and rolling. It is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And today, Cinco de Mayo would have been Chris Duncan's 39th birthday. And we'll remember, Duncan, we want to hear from you with your mic drops. And we want you to deliver those mic drops, not only for our show, but throughout the day here to 101 ESPN. Use that Rhino Shield mic drop feature on your 101 ESPN app or... Send us a text to the text line 65780, brought to you by Air Comfort Service. The Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And we'll start remembering Chris Duncan next on 101 ESPN. That was from the 2006 World Series. Chris Duncan's pinch hit, or 2006 NLCS. Uh, Chris Duncan uh, doing his job off the bench against the Mets, and the Cardinals obviously went on to win the World Series. And today we celebrate the the life and times of Chris Duncan, who would have turned 39 today. We want to hear from you with the mic drop feature, with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. You can send us your mic drops, and you can also text us, 65780, to the Air Comfort Service text line. We both had the opportunity... Michelle, to work with Chris here in this environment, in the radio environment, he started here doing St. Louis Baseball Tonight. And Brian Stull really was the guy that got him going Mm -hmm. in terms of radio and teaching Dunk how to technically go about broadcasting. But his personality was so big and... Our general man, or our program director at the time, Kent Sterling, said, I, "This guy has to do more." So Kent put him on the fast lane, and he goes from doing an hour show to doing our four-hour show with Demarco and I. And he put so much work into it, and he was so curious, and he was so non-big league. So so often you see a big league player that walks in that thinks they know everything. Dunk. It felt like he didn't know anything. He knew baseball, but he, just like his dad, had notebooks uh, Mm -hmm. upon notebooks upon notebooks of all kinds of sports stuff so that he knew what he was talking about, so that he could bring himself up to speed. His preparation was unbelievable. 
And as someone that would produce for him, you know, usually as a producer, you kind of put together your rundown and you'll send it out to the host and then you might have a dialogue. Before I could even send it out, Dunk would be messaging me saying, hey, what do we have? What about this? He really wanted to learn the intricacies of how to do this job. He didn't want to just show up and crack a mic and let that personality flow. He wanted to make sure that whatever was thrown his way, he was prepared and ready to go. And that was the beauty of listening to him is because not only was he so prepared for everything, but then when he did go off the cuff, it was so funny. It was so larger than life. He just truly was one of one. I don't think I'll ever meet anyone like Chris Duncan. He was, and it's interesting that the Cardinals had two of these guys that wound up on the radio, but so self-deprecating about his career. And he would talk about some of the things that he, uh, uh, some of the mistakes that he had made <laughs> as a player. And often he was on with uh, Anthony Stalter and his dad, the former Cardinal pitching coach, Dave Duncan. And this is one of the conversations that those two had. Dad, did you ever have to go out there and uh, tell the pitcher you were sorry for your son's play in left field? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I usually save that for the dugout. (laughs) Dad, thanks for coming on. Good stuff. Uh, All right. You guys have a good day. You too. Thanks, Dave. That's Chris's dad, Dave Duncan, here in the turn on 101 ESPN. Could you imagine that? That would be be a great kind of Saturday Night Live type skit. I'm sorry. You know, my son's out there. He's trying to play left field. He's got to get through it. We just got to get through it somehow. Keep the ball down. Pitch the righties away. Keep him in right field. I'm sorry about this. Just we have to tolerate this right now, okay? <laughs> it was just epic. You know, but. professional athletes oftentimes have a big ego and they take things seriously. The fact that you could point out something that Duncan had maybe messed up or, you know, that he wasn't so good at, and he'd be the first one to point it yeah. out about himself and then bring it up was really rare. And gosh, even listening to that, he was just so funny. <laughs> I felt so bad one time. There was a rumor that the Cardinals were going to get the Padres closer, Houston Street. And Dunk was all over the Cardinals getting Houston Street. And I said, nah, he he doesn't fit here. That's not the kind of guy they need. And later in the show, Dave is on with us. And Dunk says... Hey, Dad, uh, Randy and I were having this argument. He he doesn't think that the Cardinals should go out and get Houston Street. And I, I think the Cardinals should go get him. What do you think? And Dave says, well... I agree with Randy here. <laughs> I don't think we should get him. Poor Chris was crestfallen. He was. That, yeah, that, that Dave would agree with me rather than him. And then at the end of the interview says something like, uh, yeah, you like Randy better. Because that's just the way he was. <laughs> he took everything so personally. He was classic. He really was. and But he would take it personally, but then probably the next day he would oh. open the show saying, hey, remember how you know my dad or you know the Cardinals better than I do? He'd be the first one to then spin it in a way to be self-deprecating. Yeah. And here we are on his birthday. And when we first started working together, and this is my favorite story, when we first started working together in the fast lane, we were doing a remote out at the golf discount in Manchester that isn't there anymore. And... Anthony was our producer, Anthony Stalter. And Dunk says to Anthony, hey, after the show, you want to go out and grab a beer? And Anthony says, yeah, sure. So we get to 6 o'clock. We were getting off at 6 at the time. And uh, I take off and DeMarco takes off. And I know those guys take off. And those guys are sitting at Mulligan's in Baldwin uh, having a beer. And Dunk gets a call. And it's Amy. And he says, hey, what's going on? She says, nothing. What are you doing? She sa- he says, I'm having a beer with Anthony. 
She says, do you know what day it is? No, what day is it? It's our anniversary, our first anniversary. <laughs> and Dunk, he, he <laughs> races over. There's a Best Buy across the street. He races across the street, gets a computer from Best Buy, <laughs> and goes home and says, I didn't forget. Look, I got you this. <laughs> That's the thing about him, too. You know, as you're telling that story, I'm thinking most wives would be like, how could you be so negligent? Forget my birthday. There was just kind of an innocence about Chris Duncan yeah. where you knew that he he wasn't forgetting it because he was a bad husband or or he never did anything with a malicious intent. He, he just was no. kind of a big puppy dog in a lot of ways. He was so sweet. I think your word there, innocent, describes him perfectly because, again, you wouldn't think that a guy who grew up around Major League Baseball, the dad of an accomplished pitching coach, a guy who got a million-dollar bonus coming out of high school to uh, be a first-round draft choice, you wouldn't think that innocent would be a word that would apply, but it totally does. Yeah, there was uh, a purity about him that you found very endearing because when you're in this business, you deal with a lot of athletes who can be jaded in one way or the other, and Dunk just didn't have that. The back and forth between Chris and Dave – uh, as you just heard, was epic. Here's another great example. Was it hard to bite your tongue sometimes and realize, you know what, maybe they're better off with Carney Lancer. This guy was a good hitter. Here, go talk to Carney about that, or go talk to Greg Luzinski. Or, you know, was that tough for you to do sometimes? No, it was never tough at all. But I did make a huge mistake. I didn't turn you over to the fielding guys enough. <laughs> That's a taunt. Where the hell is Okendo, Dad? Huh? I'm in the damn cage. Okendo's over there. <laughs> and of course, oh man, BT has the the great line about, uh, and it was said here on radio when uh, when Dunk first got here. It was. Uh, you drop a couple of fly balls in the World Series, and all of a sudden, people think you're a defensive liability. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> I think my favorite dunk moment, you mentioned um, the Super Bowl in Indianapolis. And we all, as a group, as you said in the last segment, would go out together. And I remember we were at a Super Bowl party, and we came back, and we were in the lobby of the hotel. And Dunk just sits down and starts beautifully playing the piano yeah. that was in the lo- the hotel lobby. And all of us looked at each other and we're like, we didn't know you could play piano and play it this well. And he's, I think, I believe he said, yeah, I learned it so I could play for my wife, right? Yep, at their wedding. At their wedding. So he hadn't been playing piano that long and he was so good at it. Yeah. And to me, that just encompassed something about Chris Duncan, that when he put his mind to do something, he was going to go 100% and learn how to do it. We're going to celebrate Chris Duncan throughout the day here on 101 ESPN, Character and Smallman. And coming up, one of Dunk's championship teammates, the 2006 World Series MVP, David Eckstein, joins us next on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I am Randy Carricker, and it's great to have you with us at 731. It's May 5th, and this would have been birthday number 39 for our friend, the late, great Chris Duncan. And one of his teammates on the 2006 World Champion Cardinals was the World Series MVP, David Eckstein, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. David, thanks for getting up and joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. 
David, last night I was reading about Dunk and about that 2006 World Series yeah. run, and I pulled up a New York Times article, and as I'm reading it, this line caught my attention. I want to read it to you. It says, The Cardinals were mostly crisp, with the notable exception of right fielder Chris Duncan, who dropped a fly ball just before Sean Casey's two-run homer in the fourth to put Detroit ahead 2-1. to one. And I started laughing out loud because normally you would think, oh, wow, that's not something that you would want to have written about you. But I thought Dunk would be the first person to make fun of himself in that moment. Is that how he was all the time? Totally, definitely. He was the one person that would always kind of like put himself down and make everyone laugh around him. And he's like, of course I would do that. Why would I not do that? You know? And so, but yeah, I mean, he, he was just such a, you know, a bright, a spirited and fun guy. And especially to be around in that, in, inside the clubhouse. David, you aren't a guy that uh, is going to have preconceived notions, but a, a lot of us do. And we, we see a guy like you undrafted who does, has to grind his way through the minors just to make it to the majors. And then you see the, the bonus baby. Chris was a first round draft choice. Yeah. His dad was yeah. the, the pitching coach for the Cardinals. So uh, when you knew about Chris before getting to meet him, did you have any preconceived yeah. notions about what the guy might be like? Um, of, of course, you know, when you see, when you see like the, the family connection and stuff like that, is he really that good? And the one thing I'll say about Chris was the fact that he worked just as hard as anybody else. Like he showed up to the field and especially on the offensive side, like just grind it um, and how hard he actually worked with Dave McKay in the outfield. Cause as we know, you know, outfield was a little bit of a challenge. It was kind of a move of position just to be able to get himself in the lineup. But like, yeah, there was one thing that he did not take for granted was the fact that he, um, the ability to show up and play because he really worked his butt off. Um, as as opposed to you hear some other first rounds just show up all oh, on the best. That was not Chris. David, before you joined us, Randy and I were playing clips from Chris's radio show here on 101 ESPN and the exchanges that he would have with his father, Dave, with Papa Dunk on the radio. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine what that would have been like unfiltered in the dugout. Did they have that rapport during games or with the team, or did they save that for afterwards? They definitely did. I can still remember, like, how excited – you know, his, his father would, would dunk would get when, when Chris would get a hit or do a big home run with inside the dugout. I think that was probably the most special thing to be a part of is to watch that father son um, relationship at the big league level. I know how important family is to me. I have the opportunity to work with my brother right now, but to be able to sit there and play and as a father to see your son in the big leagues and be a part of that and just see the relationship. Yeah. It, it, it was something that was very special because with, People, I'm sure, in St. Louis know, like, Dave is pretty reserved, and there's not much of a personality communication, but um, Chris could get a smile out of him. And, and David, one of the cool things about that world championship team is that you had the the fun and energy of all those kids you had yeah. the bullpen guys and you had a guy yeah. like dunk and you had some really fun people spezio was a, a fun guy so <laughs> that team while serious in terms of going about yeah. its business in a professional manner it seems like you guys had a lot of fun too we, we definitely did it was one of those things you know especially the way we were going down those last four months no one really gave us any type of a chance <laughs> And so, but like, you know, you had your, you had your, your guys that were serious. You had the, your Alberts, your Scott Rowland, you know, Jimmy liked to have fun and stuff like that to keep the balance within the clubhouse. But then you have these younger guys, you know, and, and, you know, you 
talk to Randy Flores before, you know, he's just a little bit of a character. And then, mm-hmm. and then you add dunk on that. So there was a, there was a very good mixture. And then, yeah, these, these, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things that help regulate because, you know, it is serious stuff when you go, but if you can sit there and have a little bit of a smile, it actually takes a little bit of the pressure off and allows you to perform at a higher level. Well, we know Dunk provided a lot of smiles for a lot of his teammates. Yeah. We shared our memories of, of him and our favorite stories of Dunk here earlier. So what's yours, David? If you have to think about all the time that you spent with Chris Duncan, what's one story that might sit above the rest? You know I'm not allowed to say that stuff on air. I mean, I'll, I'll just leave it like this. I would look forward to come to the locker room every day to hear what he experienced that night. <laughs> he was a guy that loved to go out a little bit and have some fun. And, you know, and I was like the, the total opposite. Like I always went back to my, back to my room or my apartment there and I would live vicariously through him. Like the stories he would come back and just say, uh, was like, yeah, that's, that's someone who's living life to the fullest. So it, it was, it was pretty cool to, to, um, yeah, have my locker um, by him and just hear the stories because he would always make you laugh. The Cardinal World Series MVP from 2006, David Eckstein, with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. David, one of the other aspects to Dunk, and I don't think people really realize this because he had a radio career, but I remember after he got hurt, after he had the abdominal injury, I was talking to him at his locker one time, and I didn't have the microphone on, and we were just having a conversation. And I said, you know, you're great. Why don't you talk to the media more? And he said, that's not my place. This is Albert's clubhouse. This is Scott's clubhouse. This is Jimmy's. Uh, th- this is David's. Th- it's not my place as a young guy to be the voice of the team. He was so respectful of you veterans. And, and, and that, that it goes back to, like, just even the relationship with his dad. Like, the sense of, like, in the first rounder, like, he didn't live up to that. Like, he didn't have all those preconceived conception of what you expect of that. He had true respect for the game of baseball and understands that, you know, there's certain times where you do speak up, but there's other times, especially younger in your career. I mean, we had a clubhouse full of guys. It was like when I came over in 05. Like, there was no reason for me to say a word, you know, when you have Reggie Sanders in there as with, with Jimmy, with, with Albert, with Scotty, you know, and then you're like an Isringhouse in the back end, and then you have Carpenter. You know what I mean? They got the ability, you know what I mean? They could control the, the word that's being put out there and it allowed us to go play and so and and that's one thing that that chris you know really took to heart was the respect of the game and how it's supposed to go even though he didn't necessarily talk to the media you knew he had this big personality there's there's some of these guys that you look at and you can say yep they're going to have a media career after they're done playing this is something they're built for did you ever expect dunk to go into media and succeed or were you surprised when he said hey i'm going to host a radio show (laughs) Well, well, the shock jock type of radio show, I, yeah, he definitely had that in him. Like, he, he, like, the funny thing was, like, you know, he didn't hold back. Like, so, like, there was no, like, okay, you know. He would call you out, you know, and then call himself out. You know what I mean? So, like, it wouldn't be like, oh, this is not an attack. You know what I mean? He, he, he just like me, you know. And so, no, I was not, like – I would say probably a little bit on the fact of, of how, you know, the personality to be able to talk that much, 
You know what I mean? I always knew that it was inside them, but it was always, always like more of a private, like within a closed confine. So to actually have them go on the radio and say it, I was probably a little shocked about that. But the fact that it was in him and the way he knows how to connect, especially with on, on a friend level to whoever he's talking to. And um, that was something he was always very good at. David Eckstein with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, David, I want to switch gears because yesterday, I don't know if you Mm -hmm. saw it, MLB Network celebrated Albert Pujols Day. (laughs) And they showed the game with the the home run in Houston. And people have a tendency to forget your at-bat. The Cardinals down to their last strike. Take us through that at-bat against Lidge with two outs in the ninth. Yeah, walking to the plate, um, knowing those are the type of situation you want to be in. You want it to be on you to be able to extend the game. So, yeah, so I, I went down 0-2 um, very quickly. And, you know, you're just trying to put the bat on the ball and create some contact. And fortunate enough, I hit a ball in the six hole and, you know, was able to, to beat it out. And Jimmy gets the walk. And then it's probably one of the, I'd say, the, one of the most awesome moments. Um, in, in, in my career because the fans going nuts, how loud it was, and when the ball was hit, the dead silence. And that, that, that um, as a player in, uh, on the road, to be able to quiet the crowd is pretty cool. It's, and that, that, that was, I mean, you, when they say you could hear a pin drop, you could hear a pin drop. And I think that was, you know, probably one of the, I mean, I've had a lot of very cool moments in my life playing the game, and that was definitely up at one of the top. As you're taking us through that, I'm imagining what it must feel like to to silence a crowd. And then I think about where we're sitting right now and how players might actually have to play in silent ballparks because of the state of the world and not having fans. So as someone who had played and knows how much that crowd and that home park advantage means, how do you think that players are going to be able to adjust to that? Do you think it's something that's going to affect them? I mean, it is. I mean, to me, it would come down to self-motivation. Um, and and the, the eeriness of probably living in your own head now because when you're out there playing, the buzz, the, you know I mean? You, you can't hear. Like some of the weirdest things would be when you played in a ballpark where there were not that many people and you can hear the conversations. And that that's weird. So now with no conversations, with nothing, and all you're doing is living in your own head, um, I think that would be definitely a change because you actually felt – you feel comfort – when you just hear the buzz of the noise of, of things and it actually brings, you know, a little bit of a you know, normalcy to the game. So it would be very interesting um, to play without a crowd because you hear that a lot, like especially within the minor leagues, you know, when you're coming up in some of the towns where there's no fans. You like, I mean, because you do, and personally, I mean, I don't know, you, you read different things. Science says it, it does help. Other sciences says it doesn't help. To me, the fans really were a part of my game, and I enjoyed playing, you know, in front of them. So it'd be it's going to be a challenge, in my opinion. Final thing for David Eckstein, who's currently you mentioned he's working with his brother Rick with the Pirates. You're a special assistant. How have you handled quarantining and dealing with this uh, this virus? Um, yeah. So as many people in St. Louis know, a lot of my family members are immune compromised with the kidney disease and stuff like that. So we've hunkered down. And so, like, um, we designated my my wife and my niece to go to the stores. You know, I mean, I haven't been to a grocery store or anything in months. Neither my mom, my sisters, 
So it's one of those things that we are, you know, um, hunkering down, following the rules, and hopefully that we will get through this at some point in time. We will, and we'll, we'll all get through it. And we're glad that you're staying safe and following the instructions and being well. We appreciate you taking some time to reminisce about Dunk, David. We always yeah, love having like you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you guys take care. Have a great day. You too. Have You too. That is David Eckstein with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. What a great guy. Great what, guy. That team was such a great group of guys. You know, it, I, as he's talking about that and laughing about Dunk, I just imagine what it would be like to be a part of a team like that and be in a clubhouse. And, you know, he says, especially down the stretch when people were counting us out, to to be the underdogs and overcome that and emerge champions together, that's a bond that you're going to have forever. Absolutely. It is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a little game of Wake Up or Snooze. You can get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780 on 101 ESPN. All right, we're going to play a little game of Wake Up or Snooze. Before we get to Freeze Pops, though, Michelle, another Cinco de Mayo birthday. A little surprising to me, Adele, rolling in the deep Adele. (laughs) Is only 32. I would have figured that she was uh, in her 40s or something. She's only 32. Yeah, she was born in 1988. That is is surprising. Are you surprised that I know an Adele song? No, not at all. I thought you were going to go Hello, because that's more of her iconic staple than than Rolling in the Deep. But maybe it's because she has such a mature voice and her style of music is so classic that we just assume she's older. But wow, 32. What an accomplished life. Okay, 65780. Pick your Hello, Adele or... Uh, or the uh, the Commodores guy, uh, uh, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie. There you go. Which hello, is it me you're waiting for? Is it waiting for or looking for? Looking for. Yeah, I don't you're know. Right. You got Google it. it. Looking for. So the six five seven eight zero. Who are you voting for, Adele or Lionel? You know, Lionel obviously classic. Yeah. Adele. That Adele song though is more my speed. It's kind of iconic too. Hers. Yeah, it is. I mean, the voice that she has, that is a gift. Yeah. That you could, I always. She had throat surgery. Did you know that? No. Yeah, she had, her singing career was in doubt. See, I'm paying attention here. You are locked into Adele. (laughs) I am. uh, You know who else had uh, throat surgery is Megan Trainor. She did. (laughs) And she was supposed to come to uh, the, is it still Verizon Wireless? No, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater this summer, but that got canceled, obviously. You know, I know you're Megamind. I didn't realize that extended to female artists that have had throat surgeries. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but it did. You know, and while we're here, Randy, I really want your take. What do you think of Adele's weight loss? A lot of people surprised that. Very impressive. I mean, you as somebody that lost 70 pounds in yeah. four months, I mean, you can look yeah. at Adele and say props to her, right? She looks terrific. She yeah. does. Yeah. Freeze Pops, what do you got for us for Wake Up or Snooze? All right, Variety is reporting that Nicolas Cage is set to star as Joe Exotic in an eight-episode scripted television series. Joe Exotic, obviously the subject of a Netflix docuseries called Tiger King, which swooped the nation. Nick Cage was the right casting choice for Joe Exotic. Wake up or snooze? Mm, This one's really tough for me because I could go either way. I think I'm going to wake up. Because I feel like Nick Cage can probably do Joe Exotic justice. But I don't know, Randy, since you're locked in on all the celebrity news, the hot goss on the celebrity streets, I, I there was some groundswell for Dax Shepard to play mm. Joe Exotic. And I think I just maybe got that planted in my mind that he would be great at that role. Uh, so I was a little bummed out to hear that Nick Cage was going to actually play Joe Exotic. But then I took a step back and said, I think he'll do a pretty good job. 
I don't think there's going to be much of a leap for Nicolas Cage to play a total Hoosier. <laughs> so I, I think it'll, he won't have to method act much. He can just be himself and be Joe Exotic. I don't know about the the mullet, but he'll yeah he'll pull it off. They'll there's really good makeup and hair people in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think Nick Cage is a good fit at this stage of his career for Joe Exotic. Uh, Wake Up Worst News, Randy, this is going to be Nick Cage's most challenging role because when you think about it, Joe Exotic was a character that you couldn't write. To be able to encompass him and his personality and the craziness that came with it is a very difficult challenge. I'm going to snooze on that only because I thought Nicolas Cage was brilliant in Face Off. Have you ever seen that with John Travolta? Where uh, he steals, actually Travolta's great in it too, but he steals John Travolta's identity and they, they kind of trade faces. Nick Cage was great in that one so he had to be challenged. But, yes, because it's kind of unprecedented territory for him. He's got to play somebody that really existed. I, I can I can buy into that a little bit. Free agent major leaguer Trevor Plouffe tweeted last night, Want some good baseball news? I just heard from multiple sources that on June 10th, spring training two will start July 1st, will be opening day, and all teams will be playing at their home ballparks. No reputable national reporters have corroborated this report. Ploof scoop is legit. Wake up or snooze. I'm waking up on this one, Michelle. I'm feeling good about this. I believe that if you piece together the different reports, even though no national reporter is corroborating this, if you piece together the reports from Jeff Passan and Bob Nightingale and Ken Rosenthal, it makes sense. So I'm going to wake up on this one. I'm going to wake up too, and I don't know if it's because I desperately want it to be true, so I'm just going to wake up and hope it is true and get out of this terrible nightmare we've been living in with no sports. But, yeah, if you're connecting the dots, you know that Major League Baseball is in talks to do this. It's just a matter of when they're going to execute it. And when you look at the dates presented here that he heard from multiple sources, June 10th, uh, to be spring training to July 1st, opening day, it seems like that's the path we're going to. I mean, we're here sitting here on May 5th. Uh, they're going to have to, in about a week or so, alert the teams that this is what's going to happen. And then you're going to have to give them time to pack, adjust the logistics for travel, to figure out everything that teams need to figure out. So, yeah, that seems like a plausible start date for me. So I'm going to wake up on that one. It became official yesterday that ESPN will now carry Korean baseball games on their air as the KBO has returned to action. Their first game actually aired this morning at midnight central time, and all games will air extremely early in the morning because of the time difference. A large television audience will wake up to watch KBO baseball on a consistent basis. Wake up or snooze. That's a big time snooze for me. (laughs) Now, if there was somebody we knew about, for example, if uh, KK that the Cardinals have, if there was somebody that was compelling, we all knew about Dice K, for example, in Japan. If they had somebody that was must watch, I I might wake up, but I'm going to totally snooze on this. I think people have to watch. If you're going to get up in the middle of the night, there has to be a star for you to watch. Exactly. You have to have an emotional connection yeah. to it for for some reason. I'm snoozing on this, too, especially because so many Americans are still working from home. I, I read this article the other day about how the sleep patterns of Americans since they're working at home are super erratic. And... I mean, people are probably waking up at different times. There's no way they're going to say, hey, guess what I'm going to do in addition to working from home, homeschooling my kids, and all of these other things that I I have to do every day because everything is shut down, is get up early to watch baseball players that I don't have an emotional investment in. Do you think that we have erratic sleep patterns at the moment? 
currently, yes. I would say so for the next however many years. Oh, Randy. <laughs> Good luck. Louisville received a notice of allegations from the NCAA on Monday for multiple recruiting, recruiting violations. Unlike Mizzou, Louisville will get off easy because they are an earner. Wake up or snooze. I'm going to wake up on this simply because they really didn't pay much of a price with the last scandal that they had. And not only are they an earner, but they're an iconic program. Mm -hmm. And the NCAA doesn't want to hurt them. I'm going to wake up on this one, too. Same same reason, because of the precedent that was set before with the penalties not being that harsh. Also, how are you really going to enforce penalties of that nature now when you don't really know what everything's going to look like with the students, with the way things are, are going to be moving forward? So, yeah, I think they'll probably get a little slap on the wrist, and that'll be it. Thanks, Reese Pops. Thanks, guys. That is Wake Up or Snooze on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Michelle and I will present our fresh take this morning. It's coming your way on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN.